Hi, this is Eric Samuelson from Eat Like No One Else, and you are listening to the Eat Blog Talk podcast. Hey, awesome food bloggers. Before we dig into this episode, I have a really quick favor to ask you. Go to your favorite podcast player, go to Eat Blog Talk, scroll down to the bottom where you see the ratings and review section. Leave Eat Blog Talk a five-star rating if you love this podcast and leave a great review. This will only benefit this podcast. It adds value. And I so very much appreciate your efforts with this. Thank you so much for doing this. Okay, now on to the episode. Hey, food bloggers. Welcome to eBlog Talk, the podcast for food bloggers looking for the value and confidence that will move the needle forward in their businesses. This episode is sponsored by Rank IQ. I'm your host, Megan Porta, and you are listening to episode number 346. Today, I have Eric Samuelson with me. He is going to talk to us about how to rank for non-recipe content and why that content is so valuable. Eric has been blogging at Eat Like No One Else since 2009, before there was anything out there like a blog talk or a food blogging community. Eric considers his blog to be a teaching blog. Eat Like No One Else is the place to learn how to enhance the way you eat through learning of specialty foods and ingredients and how to make the most amazing food at home. He solidly believes in the if you teach a man to fish philosophy. Eric, I am so glad that after 300 plus episodes, you're finally coming on to Eat Blog Talk. We've known each other for a few years. It's such a pleasure to have you here today. How are you doing? Thank you, Megan. Yeah, it's a pleasure to sit down and get to chat with you and be in your podcast. So excited about it. Yay, me too. Okay, we want to hear your fun fact if you have one to share with us before we get to the topic. Sure. So my fun fact here, and it's kind of related to our lifestyle, so a quick little <laughs> snippet of it. Uh, me and my family uh, travel full-time in our camper. So we travel all, all, all over the country since September 2020. And something um, that we do, especially me and my oldest daughter, is we like to go out bird watching and identify different species of birds. And as of right now, we have taken photos and uh, kind of categorized 245 different species. I didn't know this about you. That so, is yeah. the coolest thing ever. Okay, what is the rarest bird that you've seen? I say it's kind of a tie, sort of, because we saw the California condor in Zion National Park in Utah which is like extremely in danger and they just kind of reintroduce them. Like when I was a kid, there was like 23 of them left in the, in the whole world. What? So we saw that. And then we once saw a rosette spoonbill in New York. And like, that is a, like a Florida type of South Southern bird and like somehow made Whoa. it up in New York. And we like saw, saw at this wildlife refuge, we took a pit, picture of it shared on facebook and within two hours that refuge was like jammed with traffic like all these bird people started oh. showing up to see this like bird that's never that's, i've never <laughs> been seen in, in that in new york before so it was kind of it was kind of cool so what do you call a bird watcher who's like really into it like a bird fanatic a birdie do you have a name for that <laughs> birdie. <laughs> My daughter goes with bird nerds. She calls us bird nerds. Bird nerds. That's perfect. Okay, that's what I was looking for, bird nerds. I love birds. So the rarest thing, and it's probably not super rare, but I occasionally see in our yard those like big blue jays, like with the just stately heads, like they're so big. I've seen like maybe three times over the past six years, they'll just like land on our railing. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. Do you guys see blue jays often? We do. They're only more in the eastern part of the country. We didn't we didn't see them. We were out west for like months and months. It was like a common bird for, for us, like me growing up. So it was like, oh, they're there again. It's a long time. 
They're so pretty, aren't they? Oh, awesome. Okay, now I know that I can talk birds with you (laughs) now that I know you're a bird nerd. (laughs) All right, Eric, you have an amazing journey. Your blog is one of the older blogs, and I'm not like being rude because mine is old too, but in a good way. You have stuck with it through thick and thin. Your blog has weathered many storms. We've had a lot along the way, right? So I think it would be really valuable to start out with you just sharing a little bit about your journey, like why you got started. Maybe share with us some ups and downs and then where you're at now. I originally got started, I was sticking with you back in, in 2009. At that point, I had one kid. We have four, we have four now. She was, let's see, at that point, a toddler. She was a toddler age under two when I kind of started doing. At the time, I, w- I was a stay-at-home dad. Uh, my wife worked, so I was at home um, with her. So kind of looking for other ways to make income. I saw, saw people like making money off websites. Oh, that's kind of cool. That'd be kind of a thing to do. I eventually decided to try, uh, to try it out for myself and see if I could do that. So I was always, I always loved food, like very interested in like grocery shop. Like I loved grocery shopping as a kid. I always grew up like that was like my favorite time of the week when we went on Mondays to go grocery shopping and just find like the new things in the store and stuff. So I wanted to kind of like share that knowledge. So when I originally started the blog, I had like a three prong kind of like focus. It was like at the store, in the kitchen, in the garden. The garden stuff I eventually did for a little bit while and then kind of like cut that completely out of the block because it did not generate any traffic or mm-hmm. hardly any traffic. So it was like, well, I'm not getting anything of this here. I'm going to shift my focus to be on those two things. So for a while, I was I was partially a gar- gardening blog until I realized that that wasn't really working. I was lucky doing at the beginning because at that time period, there wasn't like a lot of, there was no communities for food bloggers. So it was a lot of just kind of learning things on your own. And I had someone luckily point out to me at the beginning that, hey, you should put Google Analytics on your website. I'm like, what the heck is Google Analytics? So no clue. <laughs> time. No clue. So luckily I had that on my site from the very beginning. So I was able to, I, I got into tracking page views and stats and stuff here. It used to be more powerful. Back in the day, it used to tell you every single keyword that people came in, in from it and it stopped doing that over, over the years. So I, like it was really helpful to know like what people were searching for and that. So like early on in the first year, I was already like trying to generate content that would be what people were looking for. I could already kind of get an idea around that. And so, that, so that's changed and shift like over time. So I yeah, did it for many years, got into the, getting some advertising up there. Really, really just not high paying advertising at all. Just like, it was, it was so bad. There was, there was a, I was using like info links. It was the thing where they put like double underlines under your links here. I mean, it looked kind of terrible, but I was like trying to, you know, I'm like, I want to make some money off this thing here. So <laughs> I used that way, way, way back in the day. You know, things that didn't, you know, that was not paying much. I did Google AdSense a little, a little bit until I got kicked off it because my mother-in-law like clicked too many things for me. Oh. <laughs> I ended up getting kicked off for click fraud in the first month of my blog. So that was Oh, that's that. funny. Oh, your mother-in-law trying to help and she got you kicked out. (laughs) Did you ever do Food Buzz? No, I didn't do that one. I did gourmet ads at that one. Oh, yeah. And the other one was, it changed names a couple times, like Sovereign, I think it was, what it was called at one point. I think it went through a couple different names. So I had a a couple of things that I was doing in the beginning. And Amazon affiliate. Like I I did Amazon affiliate programs since pretty much since the very beginning. Like I, I got early on to onto doing that. So those are like the original phases. So yeah. And then where has it evolved to now? Now it's, you know, generating some income and you've got better traffic. So where are you at now? 
So the biggest change was when I when I figured when I so I was working full time for a long time. Like my wife, then she lost her job. I went to work then. I was working most of that time. I was working for Whole Foods. So I was still in my like space, and I was still like in food all the time, and like you know, learning about you know the grocery the grocery side of things here, and being able to like share my like I was like this. Everyone at the store, like all my coworkers, went to me anytime some a customer had a question they couldn't answer because I always had the answer pretty much all the time. Nice. So, but what I was doing, so I was trying to build the blog while doing doing that at the same time, which was very challenging because I had a, a schedule that was different every week almost. So it was it was hard to like be consistent, like get like a consistency going, which I think is really important. So I kind of st- struggled along with that for a while. And eventually I wasn't really like involved with like communities or, or that, but I had found someone who was, who had shared their, what they were earning, their, their, their stats, how much they were earning. And I'm like, Oh, what is this media vine thing? Like, like what's that? Mm-hmm. Like I never had heard of it before. And it looked like, well, she's earning like a ton of money off this. And like, I look at her traffic numbers. I'm like, they're kind of similar, like, and she's earning this much money. Like, what the heck? So I was uh, motivated to then try to like apply, apply for Mediavine. And honestly, there was like, I was actually really nervous about it because I remember like applying for it. They're like, you need to be in good standing with Google. And I'm going back to like, oh my gosh, back in 2009 when my mother-in-law got me kicked off. That is that going to disqualify me from Mediavine? So I'm, I'm like, like super nervous about if, like, is this actually going to work out or not? Am I going to get into this program? Is this going to, is this going to work? And that was, and at that point I had like, well beyond like the page view numbers that they had required. I mean, even more, I mean, back then I think it was 25,000 page views. I mean, they've upped it now. I think it's like 75 now or whatever. Uh, but I was already way beyond that. So I, I, I totally qualified for it. So I'm like probably getting nervous for nothing. Then I got into the program. And at, at that point, that's, I like immediately went to full-time earnings. Like just, I was earning more right away than I was from my other advertising ties that wasn't working. So I was able to, at that point, I was ready to transition out of my job because I was just burnt out. Like I was constantly burnt out. I had gone through some health problems and just like, it was just not like working for our family. It was like, I need to do something different. So I like I took the leap a little bit probably before most were probably what it was like. I need to do something like something had to change. Good for you for just seeing that, that you needed to do that. And it wasn't good for your mental and physical state and just making that change. That's the hardest part, I feel like, is taking that leap. (laughs) Because we all know we need to do it when the time comes, but then actually doing it is super, super hard. So now here you are, like how many years later? What is that? 2009? Yeah, so it was 2009 when I started. So this would be 2017 is when I got onto Mediavine. And that's what, and actually my, our youngest daughter, Shaylee, who's four now, she was born in 2018. So I was full time by the time she was born. So for me, it was, it, it was kind of significant to do that then because it was like, she never had to experience daddy being gone at work like the other kids did. did. So that was really nice. Yeah. So she never got to, uh, that kind of ended with her. So, so when I went full time, my wife was pregnant too. Oh, wow. Wow. So, I to do that. <laughs> so you jumped in. Yeah. Yep. So. And then how do you feel like your blog has been since then? So since you got into Mediavine and you're just full-time, how has it been going? Uh, for a couple of years, it was, we were still growing pretty well. There wasn't like, for me at the time period, I was still living a lot on, for the first couple of years, living a lot on the Q4 income because my income would incredibly increase. So I would, I would make enough, but some of the other months, we would kind of like fall short on like what we needed for like our budget and stuff here. So I would, so I would pull from savings what I got from Q4 to pay that. So that was kind of the kind of the way it was going for the first couple of years. There'd be some months where I'm like, well, I'm making enough to 
where I'm making more than enough to get by. And then someone's I wasn't. So I had to, you know, work, work with that. And then that, that kind of like ended with the pandemic. Like once the, when the pandemic hit and, and the traffic went up and, and stayed there. And then I was like, always like every month it was like, okay, I have, I have enough and plus to save every month. So like the pandemic was like the next kind of like, I was like break, break on point. I mean, you know, for something good to happen among something absolutely horrible, you know, it was, it was, it was very great for us in that, in that time period to really just feel really blessed by, by that. And all the hard work we had put in over the years on the blog, mm-hmm. like really came to like, say like fruition then, because we were able, I was able to, you know, I wasn't at that point still working in a store where I'd be in the public all the time. And, and, and it wasn't, it wouldn't have to like, like for us, it didn't really you know, affect us still, of course, but it didn't affect us the way like other people got really hurt by it. So I was like, we were like perfectly set up for like all the steel horn orders and everything that had happened. Yeah. And then, <laughs> right. yeah. And then I remember that, that Easter, I had like the Easter 2020, I had like the best day on my blog I'd ever had, like just was ridiculous numbers coming in. Cause like everyone was cooking their own food for the, for the meal that day. And it was just yeah. like, it was like absolutely insane numbers, like sitting back, like watching my, like most of the time I don't look at my real time on my Google analytics but that day. I like, I had the real time kind of like up my phone all the time, just kind of seeing like, Oh my gosh, how many, how, how high could this possibly go? And it was like in the, <laughs> it was in the hundreds and hundreds. It was like, Oh my gosh, this is ridiculous. Oh, I love that. That's the best feeling to see like hundreds of people on your blog at the same time, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. Anything else about your journey since? So the pandemic was good as it was for a lot of us. How did it go after that? Yeah. Things went really well. See, I said I broke my record Easter, but then I broke the record again for my daily on Thanksgiving day that same year. So that was, we had a really like crazy like holiday season that year. It was just like numbers were just like absolutely insane and just helped us like build our like savings up a lot so that was it was really fun since then it's been things have slowed down i think you know, all, all my blogs have seen like a slowdown since that time period when people you know it's good people are all back doing stuff again you know i don't would want that to continue of course so it's kind of so that kind of like the adjustment period and trying to say okay you know you know we're not riding that high anymore so that now it's trying to find like what's the next wave what's the next thing to kind of Kind of, it'd be nice to get back to where we were at that point. So we're just kind of working through that now in the blog. So awesome. Thank you for sharing all of that. I love your journey. And I think, feel like any blogging journey that's that long has a story, and you've had plenty of stories and themes. And you have this theme of being the go to foodie. I love that that was the case when you worked at Whole Foods. And now that's kind of where you are now. And that's kind of what we're talking about because you have started putting an emphasis more on non-recipe content, which I think is so smart in today's blogging world. So can you talk to us about that? Like when you decided to do that and how that has gone for your blog and maybe why you think it's a good idea? Yeah. So really from the very get-go, like I had always had non-recipe like content. Besides, I know I said I did the gardening thing and stuff, right? I had that shopping kind of aspect of my blog. So I always like have had that as part of my whole like game plan. And I've always kind of, kind of mixed it up, you know, I'll put recipes in, but if you look at my top 100 posts, like maybe 10 of them are recipes and the other 90 or so are, are, are more non-recipe or even, or, or if their recipes are more like along the lines of more of like, I'm teaching you like, you know, like how to cook a ham in the instant pot. Yeah. But that was, that was my viral post on Easter. Oh, nice. So, so more of like my a lot of the recipes that do rank well are more like ex, like explaining like concepts, like you know how to you know 
usually it's with different things at the air fryer or like, let's see my top, my, my third best post last week or so has been how to cook a bottom round roast. So it's like a really cheap cut of beef that, mm. that, that you need to cook well, otherwise it's going to be horribly tough. So, so that post kind of goes on like instructions that, but it, it still has like a recipe card and there's a recipe for it too. But I basically, that one on more how to, how to cook it as opposed to just like the recipe. So it's more of like a, you know, give people different ideas of like, Oh, here's a recipe you can follow, but here are other ways you can cook this. So that's kind of how like, I, I approach those kind of things. So. Yeah. So you really were kind of writing that way anyway. And then when you started analyzing your content, you were like, Oh, I'm ranking for all of this really non-recipe content because that's where your expertise lies and that's what you're interested in. So at that point, did you start doing more of it, trying to beef up your content with that? Yes. Yeah, yeah definitely started looking on what's ranked well. Like I saw like, okay, like I'm doing well for this type of, you know, for this cut of beef here. So let's write more more posts. So I try to cover like any cut of beef I can come along and say, how do you cook this one? How do you cook this other one? You know, how to cook a flat iron steak? How to do a... I have round roast, you know, all the different, it's just, be, and plus like for me originally too, part of my motivation was like, I don't understand all these beef cuts. I mean, it, I mean, you go in the store and there's like all these different like names for beef and there's weird words on it sometimes. And, and you're kind of wondering like, what the heck does that mean? I mean, it's not yeah. like, like chicken, it's pretty straightforward. You got breast, you got thigh, you know, you got <laughs> your drumsticks, you got, you know, skin on or bone in or type things, but you don't have like, there's not that many like choices in beef. There's like, ridiculous amounts of choices and they're coming up with new ones they're finding like different ways to like like the flat iron steak is a is a newer one that they like found a different way to cut up the the cow and they produce like oh here's a different type of steak so it's kind of kind of crazy that, that, that they're still discovering like cuts of you, you you would think that would be something that would already be like established but like they're still doing that <laughs> so i personally didn't understand all that so i'm like okay well you know if i don't understand it then it's likely that other people don't understand it either. So I want to provide that information. I want to learn it myself and then share it with other people. And it's valuable because people search that stuff. They, like you just said, there's so many different cuts of beef. Most people don't know that. So we go to Google, right? And we type that in and your goal is to be on the front page. So people click. And creating those non-recipe posts, I have found is so easy compared to creating recipe posts. Do you agree with that? Oh yeah, definitely. For sure. I mean, for, you know, if you're not doing, you know, you're not making a recipe, so that's a whole time that's gone. You know, if you're, you know, practice, you know, if you're cooking it multiple times and testing and stuff, you're like, you know, that, that takes time and then, and then photographing it. And I think too, there's actually, I would say there's like a higher standard for photographs for like recipe posts you want it to look like really good here and like so a lot of my like non-recipe content is like like i'll take a picture at a farmer's market or a grocery store or just like you know i'll have a product that is all i have to do is like throw you know put it on a background here and take some photos of it so and and oftentimes i'm I'm just doing that with my phone i'm not even like getting a camera i'm just like grabbing my phone right and i got i got like the I don't have an iPhone or anything like that, but I have, I have a Motorola phone that that was like the that had you know I looked up and found one that had the best ratings on it for photos for for a decent price. That's the phone I use for most things. So, what other non-recipe content would you recommend if people want to dig into something like this? Are there other types of non-recipe posts to consider? Oh yeah, one of the things I've done really well with is what I would call like a comparison post, where I'm comparing two different but similar things. So, for example, for St. Patrick's Day, I do really well with a post 
on brisket. So it's like comparing flat cut brisket to point cut brisket. So two different types of brisket or two different areas of the whole brisket. And so the post is all about trying to figure out which is better for corned beef, you know, what, which do you like better, depending on your taste too. So like those posts do really well. And I've done tons of different comparisons after seeing how that one did well. So I'll do like comparing like what's the difference between Colby cheese and cheddar cheese or or wildflower honey and clover honey or different types of pears and apples. So like people seem to really like, like those ones. They seem to rank really well because they just, the people are just looking for that information because they're wondering like, Oh, you know, I have a recipe, which should I use for this recipe? So it, it really, like those end up doing really well. So I, so I write, a, I write a lot of those type of posts. Awesome. And then you mentioned like the ham, like a how-to style, which I think is really valuable for so many different types of food, not just meat, but all kinds of things. What else? I know you do some like where to buy this ingredient type of posts. Talk through those. Yes. Since I love grocery shopping and from my travels, I've been to pretty much every major grocery chain in this country. So it gives me a good knowledge of where to find things. And I think like people are, are trying to find out, like they have some ingredients that they can't find. They want, they want like, oh, well, how do I find this out? Like recently I did one on Macintosh apples. So like that type of apple is grown more in the North and it's kind of hard to find when you live, like if someone has moved down South, like Texas, I had someone who was in Texas and couldn't find them anymore. So kind of knowing that, you know, having a blog post, oh, there actually is a store in Texas. I know that carries this apple. Mm. So I kind of, do some of those posts where, where I'm explaining, you know, here's some places you can look. Here's some ideas of stores you can look to, to find certain things. And those, and those seem to do pretty well, too. Or, so I'm using the knowledge I have from being around places to find that out. And often now, actually, it's become easier for me in recent years with the rise of, like, Instacart and other type, you know, type of services. Because now you can actually, like, look up that information. You can, you know... Yeah. website here so like I'll, sometimes if i'm trying to like compile a list like that i'll go through and i'll type in like you know as i know so many stores i'll be like okay hyvee i don't know if hyvee carries this here so i'll type hyvee and whatever product I'm, or thing i'm looking up here and then see if it pops up on their website like recently it was i was writing about buttercost cheese it's a german cheese that is popular in wisconsin but hard to find outside harder to find outside of wisconsin so i was doing some research and looked up like hey but hyvee buttercost cheese and then say, oh, there it is, showing up on their webpage or the Instacart thing mm. or so. Those, you know, and, and those lists are never—they're never comprehensive because I can't know everything, every location too. But right. kind of <laughs> help give a guide to people saying, hey, if you know, hit up some of the major spots, and people like it, seem to like those kind of things because also those—you know—I'm also informing people in those things too. So it's like then referring them to say, oh, check out this, these other content here. You, you like this? Check out this other thing out here. So I use it kind of like as a point of like to send people other places to once they kind of got the information. So yeah, those are are really good posts. But like you know, for me, it's something that I can write more because I have the knowledge for that. Because I, I I've traveled around enough. I'm such a grocery nerd that like you know I, I go all the grocery <laughs> stores, so I know that. So so that that I'm kind of using like my unique take to be able to give people something that that you know a lot of people probably wouldn't have the information for because you know if they're not you know as grocery nerdy as I am or or, or as travel as much. So. <laughs> Grocery nerdy. I like that. So I'm coming up with this like subtitle for Eric. The go-to grocery nerd (laughs) is perfect. But you are, you have so much information. I am on your Apple email list and you just know so much about apples and there's so many other things that you have knowledge about. So it really is valuable. What about Roundup posts? Do you do a lot of those? Like what to serve with posts? I've just started kind of doing a little bit of that because I've been using Rank IQ 
in the for the last I don't know, I think it's been over a year now for sure. Yeah, well over a year, I think. But so I've been using that, and that's been one of their suggested keywords. There's a lot of them that say what to serve with. So I'm kind of experimenting around with some of those posts because they also, I think too, they can also promote some of your recipe content. And, and here's an encouragement for people. I know like, you know, other food bloggers, they know like food bloggers you know, love, you know, some people may just love, they don't maybe like writing those sort of posts. They really love the recipe, which is great. And I, you know, I love, you know, making recipe content too. You know, it's, uh, it's fun to, you know, come with something new and people love, and when people love it, it's really awesome that you like, oh, I made something and they love this. So I know like a lot of people out there that might be like worried about like, oh, you know, like, oh, I don't really like writing that kind of content here. It's not really my passion. But I think too, like, like with a, like, if you think of what to serve with posts, I think it's a way to just bring people in and then you can share like those recipe posts. You can share like, you know, if you're, you know, if we're talking about, you know, let's stick on the ham thing we talked about. And if, if you have a bunch of recipes that go well with ham, then you could like, you know, share, you know, if you're saying like what to serve with ham, you could share those type of like side dishes and things you have on your blog or dessert so that you're like, you're bringing people in still, you're, you know, it's, it's bringing traffic in, but you're not losing like your passion, like your recipes. You're not just like a band, you know, cause I think like it can be hard if you, if you're not passionate about like writing those type of posts that they just like, like, Oh, I'm going to write in for traffic, which I think is, it's good sometimes to write stuff, some stuff for traffic, but you don't want to like write things you, cause you're going to get burnt, really burnt out. Like I did that before where yeah. I was, I found something that was working for, for traffic and it just like, I didn't enjoy writing it. So I got burnt down on it actually and, and didn't want to do it anymore. Mm-hmm. So like it wasn't at that point, it wasn't worth it because it was rooting all my creative juices. It was like, you know, not, you know, I wasn't being effective and I was like, I don't really want to write about this anymore. So I at times had to pull back from, from that. So I figure like you have, it's good to write for search engines some, you know, with some things here, but you don't want to lose your full passion by just pursuing that. You want to yeah. have a mix. I think like, like a what to serve type of post. Like if you can do some of those and, and rank for those here, you're, you're still getting a chance to share, like, and maybe your recipes are your baby and something that you love passionate about. You're still kind of getting people funneled into those posts. So sprinkle some of these in, but don't like dive into the deep end because you don't want to get burned out like Eric did. Yeah. And so where do people start with this? Do you recommend starting with a roundup post? If somebody's listening and they're like, this sounds great. I want to dive into some more non-recipe content, but I don't know where to begin. Yeah. I think a roundup post can be good too. And it's also kind of fun to be like, like on some of these posts I've done recently, like I haven't, I haven't had all the recipes needed for it. Like to really like pull it in. So I I know I asked our blue bloggers like you, I, I asked you for a couple of recipes. That I could use for some posts, so that's kind of fun to bring other bloggers in and and, yeah. and have that. You know, just kind of you know share the wealth and say, "Hey, it's someone else here." So I think, like, yeah, starting with like a a roundup post, you know, you might want to look at like like what type of topic you're ranking for well enough here. So I think like sometimes you might you may end up finding too that you know, let's say you've written a lot of posts about corn. You know, it's, it's fresh corn season, so I got corn in my mind. So like, if you if you're like, oh, I rank well, I have all these corn posts that rank well. So maybe you do like kind of a roundup type post of like, you know, best summer corn recipes or best things to use while fresh corn's in season or something along those lines. And then you share like some of those posts. You may find that like that post outranks the other ones. Like it's like it becomes your top, mm-hmm. your top corn post, but then you're still like pushing up everything else too. So, and you're still getting people, yeah. you know, to click through and to see stuff. So I think like people, people who are coming to look for that information are going to probably be more likely to click through. Because they're already looking for yeah. for recipes, so so I think like those are really really good to write and, and don't really like you know aren't 
if you have the photos for it. So I think it's yeah, easy to start with something you have. And if you find like you have gaps, you know, you could, you know, reach out to other food bloggers. I mean, you definitely can make some other recipes too. If you find like, Oh, I need a, you know, I don't have a corn dessert recipe, which you, which I have actually made corn ice cream before. So, so it can be, oh. it can be made, it can be made as a dessert. So I have never heard of corn ice cream, but you need to make that. (laughs) Oh, boy. So I'm just going to mention Rank IQ because this is how I started digging into non-recipe content. I was looking through their amazing keyword database and started seeing things that kind of related to my existing content. So like you were just saying, if I had corn recipes and I was looking through their keywords and found like what to serve with sweet corn, how to cook frozen corn on the cob. And I'm like, oh, I can link to that recipe and that recipe if I make this. So I started just thinking about the webs of content that I could create and interlink within my blog by creating non-recipe content. So Rank IQ really helped me to round that out. And it's been so good for my traffic. So I would say if you are on Rank IQ, just start like typing in those keywords that you're known for or maybe that you're already getting existing traffic for like Eric was saying and then just see what pops up because sometimes things will pop up that you never would have thought of right Eric like like oh that's a keyword I never would have thought to write about corn ice cream or you know whatever pops up yeah I found that too recently I had so I didn't think about writing I was looking up one of the keywords was I was looking up I think I was looking up shrimp I think it was shrimp is where I started and one of the keywords on there was like Kirkland air fried shrimp so buying the like Costco Kirkland brand air fry shrimp and then air frying it. Cause so I'm like, oh. and I actually, I, I found out I rank really well for Costco things. Like I have Costco guides to like different types of food. Like my, one of my top posts is a Costco beef guy, which is goes through and tells you what kind of cuts they who have at most Costco stores. And then I refer them back to other posts and that one does really well. So I'm like, well, I already rank well for Costco here. So I'm going to then, Right, the post that the, the post is simply just me t- buying the frozen breaded panko fried shrimp at Costco, and then I just test it in the air fryer to figure like how long is it going to take me to cook it in the air fryer, and I published that recently, and it's a top twenty post over last month. Wow. I, I got I got a discovery too, so I got I got a little bit of a little bit of a Google discovery, so I got a little, a little kick kick of traffic for a little bit for yeah. that one. So that was one that I wouldn't have thought about writing. I'm like, well, this makes total sense. There's a super easy to write. And it was just, yeah, it was just super yeah, awesome. Yeah. Here's a little added tip that sometimes works for me. So if you create a non-recipe post or really, I mean, like any content right now, and you want to give it a nice boost, create a web story at the same time. And even if it's a roundup, so I think this is why some of my roundups have really taken off because we create roundup web stories, roundup posts, publish them around the same time and they seem to really like boost each other. So that's another little tip you could consider. Definitely. Okay, so we've talked about comparison, how-tos, roundup posts, where to buy, anything else, any other types of posts to consider. Yeah, other things I I would look for doing too is like blog posts that are specifically related to the Q4 like holidays like really focusing in on those type of things that come up during that like question type post. Like that's what does really well for me is, is during that time period. Cause you got like one of my top posts during Thanksgiving is about, you know, should my pumpkin pie be jiggly in the center? What are you gonna cook? Is 
so like those type of posts do do, do really well because you're kind of like addressing like an issue, and so like that one brings in quite a bit of traffic during during that time period. So like those type of question posts, like I think work when you're kind of solving someone's conundrum, mm-hmm. you know. And that one itself, I think like those type of posts, like they don't like I'm not expecting people to like stick around really with those ones because you're probably like you're worried about your pumpkin pie right now. You're probably gonna like get your answer and get <laughs> back to your oven. Or put it back in the oven, or whatever you need to do at that point, whatever your stage your pies, I guess. So you know, those I'm not really counting on people to like stick around. You know, it, it, those have a high bounce rate. People, you know, come there, they see, it, and then they leave and, and get the. But still, like it's a, like I have enough of those posts, and because RPM during Thanksgiving time and Christmas are very high, that you like still it's still like worth it to like write those posts that like the rest of the year. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, they're still helping. They're solving a really dire pain point. Yeah. So I'm sure people do come back after that still, you know, may have remembered. It's like, oh, that right. was helpful. You know, if my advice worked, of course, they failed. They probably would never talk to me again. <laughs> but like in normal circumstances, you would think that those, those would work. So those are Yeah, I think it's worthwhile to just sprinkle those in too, because why not? See if they take off. And then do you keep a close eye on Google Analytics just to see what's working, what's not, and then do you take what's working and make more of that? Yes, that's typically what I do is, is keep an eye on, on, on what's going to work. And yeah, I'm regularly in my analytics, like all the time, like kind of mostly daily basis. I mean, not every day necessarily, but it depends. If things are going great, I'm in it all the time because I'm enjoying that. When things are not going good, <laughs> I kind of want to avoid it a little bit. But yeah, it's always trying to like monitor <laughs> like what's doing good and trying to replicate that more. I mean, sometimes you, you do that no guaranteed success that it's going to work. I mean, sometimes you'll think like, okay, well, this worked really well. Let's replicate this type of thing. And then they all just bomb. I mean, so just, you just don't know. You don't know yeah. sometimes if it, or maybe you need to figure out what, what worked with it. So sometimes you have to kind of like look through that and decide what's really going to, what actually worked and what didn't. So yeah, I usually try to bounce things off. Or if I have a new idea about a new type of like, oh, I haven't written about this before. Like, I don't want to like, you know, experiment out there, but not like go too, too crazy with it. Like I did, I had never written about olive oil before. So I did a couple of olive oil posts and kind of like, let's, let's see how these end up ranking and see if this is going to be a successful thing for me or, or not. And how did it do? How'd the olive oil do? I had some success. Surprisingly, like the post, it's worse sometimes. Like you, like you think like, like, oh, this post is going to be the best. And then it's like, oh, it was actually this one. It's like, like my best post was like, with olive oil was using olive oil instead of butter to make a roux for like a sauce, like a cheese sauce or oh. something here. And that, that one actually did well. It was like a substitute post. Which, there again, there's another type of post you can do is different substitutes for things that you, that work well. Some that like maybe for all, like sometimes I substitute ingredients for, because they're better and, and it produces a better end result than like, you know, like a common recipe would, or sometimes it's an allergy thing or, or I can't find this ingredient or I'm in this part of the country and I can't find this ingredient. So I think those are another type of post you can do. It's like the kind of swaps, the substitutions. I think those are good ones. Another idea is copycat recipes. I mean, that's more of a recipe post, but I'm just trying to think of like alternative, like original recipes. So that wouldn't like fall under non-recipe content, but that's another version that you could look into. Exactly. Yeah. And I think those are really good too. Like the, the, the copycat ones can be kind of fun. If you, you know, if you, if you're a recipe, you know, really well, and people are, want to make it whole. I think those can be, can be almost sometimes better than like our recipe posts. Because I think like, when you look at right. some recipe posts that, like, you know, sometimes like, you know, we create stuff that's like out of our like creative genius. Like we're, you know, we're, you know, there's so many really intelligent 
smart bloggers that come up with like amazing dishes and you come up with like the most amazing thing. But sometimes those recipes can be hard to, to get traffic for because no one's looking for them. You know, if I, I don't know what I'm trying to think of. I, I did like a sesame seed encrusted chicken where like I just like put tons of sesame seeds on it. And like, well, no one's looking up sesame encrusted chicken. Like, so like maybe sesame chicken by itself, but like but my type of thing, people are really looking for that. So, uh, so I think sometimes like, you know, our ideas can be hard, you know, can be hard to search find if they're things that people don't even you know that they're going to have to discover like, that's the kind of thing you would have to like find in a cookbook. Like you, you, you start a cookbook, you say like, Oh, here's a cool recipe. I never thought about doing like there was a recipe I found in a cookbook once I really loved that was, it was putting fennel seeds and cornflakes as a breading for, for chicken oh. and frying it. So like, but I would never have searched up like, you know, cornflakes and fennel seed for chicken. You know, unless I'm a food blogger that, you know, thinks I have a new right. idea. I had done those before where I thought like I had some unique idea and I'm like, oh, that's already been done before. So yeah, I think, yeah, sometimes I think like our, our creative genius could sometimes almost, you know, make it harder for us to come up with things because we're not, you know, we're not sharing, you know, for, for at least for search traffic. I mean, me, you know, some of those things are more like those kind of recipes would be good for like Pinterest. If, you know, if Pinterest is still working for you, it's definitely not for me, me at all. But if Pinterest is still something that's you're on, you know, those sort of recipes probably could do well in that. If you have like this really unique concept and cool looking photos and stuff here that might work for those type of traffic. So yeah, if you're, you know, so it doesn't mean like abandon those like really cool things, but you know, if you're working on that, if you have a resource for that, it could yeah. work well. So how much of this do you recommend food bloggers experimenting with? like not totally replacing their recipe creation with this whole idea of creating non-recipe content, but how much should they dig in? I think, yeah, to start, you know, getting your feet wet a little bit, you know, trying to experiment with, you know, know, start maybe start with a couple posts and just kind of, you know, see how things go or or a couple, a series of of certain topics that maybe you want to do. Like, like recently I just did a bunch of cheese substitute posts of different types of cheese and and them all like in the same week because it was kind of it was kind of easier to write similar similar type posts all at the same time because your mind's already in that kind of yeah. flow so it could be good yeah to, i do the same do the, yeah to batch kind of like like i batched a bunch of green bean posts at once so doing that type of thing yeah could be a good idea but yeah i think yeah experimenting kind of seeing what will work because it, again you have to be able to write want to write them you know if it's becoming too burned sort of like you're just like oh you know because you may just know i like writing them other people may hate writing them and so you don't want to you know you, you may want to like say I'll, I'll sprinkle a couple in here and, and try and try to see what what works but not like you know i wouldn't like abandon the entire ship to just start writing those all together <laughs> I, you know i would still you know mix in there and, and and write what you write what you love but also write for write for google so i think there's you know there's a healthy balance for, between doing those things because sometimes, you know, I will write a post because I just want to write this post. And so I, I don't want to just you know, write for Google all the time either. And so, you know, I want to, you know, right. and sometimes those posts work out and sometimes they don't still. But I think it's so important to, you, you don't want to lose your, lose your passion for it. Because if, if that happens, then, then then things just, you know, then you'll just dread it. So I would say that. Yeah. We don't want that. <laughs> Is there anything else you feel like we should mention on this topic before we start saying goodbye? Well, let's see. Yeah. So I think it's just, you know, it's okay to just like, explore different things here, you know, and even if you find out like, oh, it doesn't work, you can, you can always not index the posts. You know, if it finds out you don't work, if like this whole thing doesn't work, you can, you know, it's not permanent. That's the thing with blogs, you have to remember, like it's, you know, it's, 
we're not writing anything in stone. You know, anything can be can be deleted, reworked. Sometimes I've like recently a topic I I've reworked is that I didn't really know it was a topic is I had a couple of posts that I found out I was looking through Google Search Console, which I recommend like using that to, that free tool too to see like what kind of words you're going to be ranking for, like what you're what people are actually coming for. Because I I wrote a post about how long does popcorn last? So I was doing a popcorn series. So I was talking about that. And I then noticed, I'm like, I'm getting some traffic to this post here, but it's all coming from people who are looking about vacuum sealing popcorn. And I had briefly (laughs) mentioned vacuum sealing within the post itself. So I realized that, okay, I need to take that. So I took that post and now it's actually about, I rewrote it. So it's actually focused on vacuum sealing popcorn. So it's like, if, like, is it a good idea to do that if you just want to like save popcorn from going bad, like you know, popcorn kernels, or or not, or, I, or I test I tested out what would happen if I pop some popcorn, sit in a bag for a week, and then take and then open the bag up and taste it. Would it be good still? Oh. So I found different things. So, so now, I'm, and another post at the same thing. It was getting it was the vacuum sealing because I was it was a sous vide recipe. So I was fucking, but I was getting the traffic from just people looking how to how to vacuum seal burger patties. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so it's, So a lot of experimentation, really. I mean, a lot of just like, okay, this is working, start here, and then just see how it goes and just experiment as you go. You know, you should, part of your job as a food blogger should be you're also a scientist. You're experimenting. Mm, Yeah. Oh, that's a great way to put it. You are doing experiments, but you're also a food blogger. Don't lose your focus on food, obviously, and get in the weeds exactly. too much so but now i just add another another job to food blogging so now we have photographer writer yeah. <laughs> and now scientist yeah thanks eric You're you welcome. just give us no <laughs> no this is a valuable new job that not a lot of people think about it took me 10 and a half years to figure out that this was really valuable and since i've figured this out and you're the you helped me get there eric by the way my blog traffic has taken off and like I've been around forever. So that's saying a lot. So thank you for all of your value. This was amazing, Eric. It was such a pleasure to learn from you today and to chat with you. And just thank you for being here. My my pleasure. I love talking with you. Yes, same. Do you have either a favorite quote or words of inspiration to leave us with today? Yeah, I'm going to go with the kind of simple and maybe corny sometimes, but it's the never give up philosophy. Just never give up. Is to, you know, to keep trying, you know, you know, if you're struggling with your blog, you know, I, I had a lot of time where, where I felt like it was never going to work, or I even had people tell me that, like, "Oh, you can't do this. Like, like this is not going to, like, not really mm-hmm. a business. Gonna, that's you can't make this into a business. You're like just having doubts about it here, and it's all different life situations. Like, you can't compare yourself to another person. It's best to compare yourself to yourself and try to improve on yourself instead of looking at others and their journeys and seeing how they go. Um, you can be inspired by other people's journeys, but don't like say like, "Well, they did. You know, if." Because some well, they mean made media buy in one year, and I've been doing it for three years, and I haven't yet. If you, you know, in that kind of boat, you know, I still say, you know, you know, just just keep trying at it, you know, and keep finding out what what works, and you know, the trial and error thing. Like you may find that you wrote on one topic, and Google said I don't want to rank for you for some reason, and other topic could work out. So it's just a matter of like keep trying. This just don't you know if something you really want to do and really passionate about wanting to do and and, and make into you know whatever it's just extra money or you want to make it a career then just like just just keep out of here and and keep you know keep finding ways to try new things and to motivate yourself and and be and be that scientist that experiments around with different things 
I think that's the theme of your journey, Eric, is just never giving up and just keep going, keep working with what you have. So I love that you ended that way. We will put together a show notes page for you, Eric. If anyone wants to go look at those, you can go to eblogtalk.com forward slash eat like no one. Tell everyone where they can find you, Eric, online, social media, and also mention your podcast that's coming soon. So you can find me at eatlikeno1.com. On Instagram, it's eatlikeno1else. Um, Facebook, I'm not really doing much right now. So really, best way Instagram is to, to reach me on there. And yes, as Megan mentioned, I have a podcast that's getting ready to launch very soon. Maybe it'll be launched by the time this podcast is, is, is on air. We're looking for early August launch for it. It's called Eat, Shop, Waste Not. And in this podcast, I'm going to be basically reading my blog posts and putting them into an audio kind of format. So something that's really super easy and approachable. And then adding little tidbits at the end, little like 30, 30 seconds, six seconds extra content that's more focused on grocery shopping and helping people not to waste their money and you know, waste their food. And so excited about getting that going. And I'll also have a chance to talk to some guests. We'll have like some special interviews. I'm super excited for your podcast. I cannot wait. I'm going to be a listener. I'll listen in to every episode. So yeah, that's going to be a fun journey for you. And just thank you for being here, Eric. It was such a pleasure. And thank you for listening today, food bloggers. I will see you in the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Eat Blog Talk. Please share this episode with a friend who would benefit from tuning in. I will see you next time.